I just want to welcome everybody to Keep the Promise. I'm so happy to be here today and share with you what I feel like the Lord is speaking to my heart. And I always say the same thing. You guys are used to my repetitive nature. There's things I'm confident of. There is a God. I'm not him. And we're here today to celebrate the, the, the life and the resurrection of Christ and the fact that he can be a true living and personal savior. But today I wanted to just maybe lighten it up just a skosh. So let's start with this. is the joy of the journey and sometimes trying to figure out how that joy is sometimes depleted by the fact that we just grow up and we we know too much we think too much like the guy on the basket my first thought when I saw that clip and decided let's put that in was he's gonna he's gonna flip over backwards and knock his teeth out I mean those are things as parents you start to think really early on you don't run with scissors you don't act silly in the store. There, there's all sorts of things where you start clamping down on stuff, saying, okay, you better rein that in a little bit, a little less loud, a little more quiet. Find a way to control things a little better. We, we grow up. We grow out of just the experience of joy. We grow out of the, 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 the fun of a sparkler. Or I, we have a tradition at my house, whenever we have a meal where everyone gets together and we're celebrating something, I, you know those popper things that you pull? I'll get a hundred of those things. And that goes with dessert. And at the round the table, I don't care how much vacuuming I have to do. I bought one this year for Nicholas's birthday that was this tall. So we did all these poppers and stuffs everywhere. It's hanging off the light fixtures. It's all over the... And, and anybody who's ever been to my house will attest that this is all completely true. And then, then we, boom, and we blow that. I mean, and stuff went everywhere. I remember one year we did it at Christmas or Christmas Eve dinner, and I had a little, little tree in the corner of the dining room area, 
and all of it somehow got, I guess with the heat vent or whatever, gravitated towards the tree. And when we were done, we were like, oh my gosh, that is the perfect way to decorate because the tree looked beautiful. We enjoyed it. I didn't have any Hallmark boxes to deal with. Man, woohoo! I mean, it looked great. But my, my point is we miss... The joy that God has intended us to have as believers. We, we've gotten real serious about believing uh, the, the facts. About, you know, Jesus lived and he died, he resurrected. But I can't imagine on resurrection, when he came back and appeared to, to the, to, in this as a great cloud of witnesses, that there wasn't not only shock on the side of the people who saw him, but the joy in Jesus' heart that it was finished. That it was finished, went from a moment of pain on the cross to a, woo, told you. Really, honestly. So as I was looking at this, trying to figure out how to enjoy the journey, enjoy the ride, find find the joy even in my own life. I, I interviewed Billy Graham, I guess it's been 25 or 30 years ago now. And one of the things that he said in that interview was, you have to always pay attention to what's being preached because there's something going on in the heart of the person preaching it. And if it isn't going on in your heart while you're preaching it, then you probably shouldn't be preaching it. Okay? So whenever I try to share a message with you, I try to come from where I'm at because that's what I know best is where I am. And then I try to say, hey, look, this is what God is trying to show me. And then I hope that in the middle of all that, it ministers to you out of the genuineness of my need to find it. Does that make any sense? So in looking for that joy of the ride, I remember about a year ago I was in, uh, driving from Nevada to California. And as I went to get in the, the car to go, I remember the guy said, uh, enjoy the journey. You know, it's a beautiful ride. Enjoy the journey. And I thought, okay, what are you setting me up for? And it was always something else. They said, hey, by the way, it's a windy day today. Watch out for tumbleweeds, right? Well, I am obviously from Virginia, right? So I have no idea what a tumbleweed is. And my idea of how they roll really came from westerns, probably. Potentially the old John Wayne one is the only one I can remember. Remember, it was something I think it was even called tumbleweed. I don't know. But anyway, I, I, I had in my mind what those things are as I'm driving down the highway and the wind's starting to pick up. Well, this is a tumbleweed in the Virginia girl mind, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with a, it's a, it's a little teeny bush. It separates from the ground after it's dried up. It rolls along. It's kind of prickly. Okay, so that, that um, I was good driving along. I'm prepared. Tumbleweed got it. Wasn't even thinking about it. I had even maybe prepared myself that potentially there were gangs of tumbleweeds, that they traveled in groups, that they might somehow block the road, all right? I, I'm good with that. But what I actually experienced was that. <laughs> that is a tumble tree, not a weed. And that thing came across four lanes of highway with everybody going. I mean, it was tons of traffic. And somehow, as it was heading right for our vehicle, I know how, God, uh, uh, it was heading right for us. The wind went and blew it right off the side of the road. But come to find out, we pulled over to look at this thing. I was in shock. They're not light at all. It was kind of heavy. It was super. It would have totally destroyed the rental car. We would have been set on the side of the road. But I wasn't prepared for this. And I think those experiences can do one of two things in our faith walk. They either make you paranoid from this point forward that all tumbleweeds are out to get you. 
all right, that they are gathering in large size. They're growing for enormity. They're saying, that Virginia girl's coming back. I'm waiting. All right. All right. So there's a, a paranoia. Or there's a, a learning curve that comes from that, where you kind of factor that away, where you take it a little more seriously. Or you stop driving the road because it almost got you. It all, what it almost did, it actually did because now you stop doing what you're doing in fear that it might. So it may as well have run me over if I stopped driving that road. Does that? So all of a sudden, the joy of the journey, enjoying the ride, can be diminished to process, planning, preparation. We know too much. We've seen too much. We know how it works. We know how people are. We know what they're thinking. We know what they might do and what they could come up with next. We've got all that factoring in. So our ride starts to look like this. We are prepared. Our joy is diminished because we are hypervigilant. We know exactly what we need to do. I've got extra extension cords, duct tape, you name it, I got it. We got zip ties, something falls apart. Duct, I mean, duct tape is the magical tool, but, but we're ready to go. But I want you to take this a little deeper into your, just your walk with the Lord in terms of God saying, hey, prepare for the journey. I've got some place for you to go. I've got things I want you to do. Well, Lord, let me make sure I'm prepared. Let me, let me, uh, I don't know, God, the last time I got up to do anything like that, this happened, so I'm not sure. All of a sudden, we start factoring in all our past tumbleweeds, past failures, people that have hurt us, things that have not gone the way we planned. And the next thing you know, we have packed our vehicle, we've packed ourselves with the anticipation of all that could go wrong instead of the joy of the journey. Instead of the, yes, Lord, where do you want me to go? That lamp into your feet, light into a path, all of a sudden we're like, God, I, I appreciate that, but I want a halogen. Show me exactly what I'm going to deal with so that I am prepared. Now, there's a difference between spiritual preparation, where you're praying, going, God, you know, prepare my heart, prepare me to go. But sometimes the joy of the Lord comes in mysterious ways. It comes in ways you didn't anticipate. When all of a sudden you do something for someone, or you are led to help someone, or you go in a certain direction, and the next thing you know, there is a blessing that comes back from that, or you see your impact immediately, and you're actually doing something contrary to what you planned to do. We get desperate. We say, well, look, I'm still not prepared enough. I don't know. So I'm going to make sure I got everything I need. I'm packed tight. And in the middle of all of that, it is hard. Can you imagine the joy of opening that door? Somebody needs a ride. Can they do it? No, wait. Well, I got some duct tape, but it's in the trunk. Okay? The, the, the joy of actually participating in the process is gone. I'm sure this guy, the one hand is going that way. The other hand's going, really? But all of a sudden, the preparation, the, the fear that something might be missing, the, the uncertainty of what may be needed, we're so busy trying to carry it ourselves that we forget that he will provide your needs as you need them. What does it talk about the sparrow? Is that the, the bird that's mentioned, you know? They, they can't store up, but somehow they have everything they need. I mean, I look at a hummingbird. I have lots of those in my yard, and, and I know that when they go from flower to flower, that keeps them going, but if they can't find that flower, they'll, but I don't see them in groups puddling together going, how are we going to put this stuff? Where are we going to put this nectar? Let's go. How we, you got a stash? You know where it is? We're good? All right, now, if I start to go down, you're going to come get me, right? We don't, 
I don't see him doing that. I see him just somehow just, his appearances are effortless, but I know it's a lot going on. But they just go from flower to flower. They have their needs met. It's less about them wearing a backpack or packing up a trailer and dragging it behind the little bird. Do you see what I'm saying? They have what they need. But that joy for the ride, the joy gets impacted. So I began to look at this scripture a lot. I've been really trying to get deeper into this. If the joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength in Nehemiah, was, that's back when they were trying to figure out atonement and all these kind of things and everybody was crying and wailing and then finally somebody said, hey, 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 hey. It's time for, for joy. It's time for celebration. It's time to acknowledge God loves you and he cares for you. That joy of the Lord can be your strength. As I began to look into joy, I found that all of a sudden there was a, a cautionary note to joy. That not everybody sees it the same way, that they begin to lump things together. I read this this week. Uh, it's a book called Happiness. The guy's a Christian, but he writes, I think it's fair to say that many Christians don't believe that God is happy. Do you think that? I, I was astonished. I'm like, what? How? Uh, okay, so God is, is not happy. So people take and they look at the world and all the things that are going on today, and they assume that that's God's unhappiness manifest. No, that's people's silliness manifest. That's sin manifest. That's not God's, that's not how God feels about you or me or about how God feels about his creation. He is not unhappy with his creation. I think he may be unhappy sometimes with the decisions that we make, but he loves us. And this guy went on to say, if we really did believe that God was happy, then wouldn't we be happier? He's basically pointing a finger at us saying, okay, you know Jesus, you know as your Lord and personal Savior, and you believe that, that God wants to provide all your needs. Okay, why are, is everybody so unhappy? And, my, and his, his conjecture was, it must mean that you think that God really isn't happy, therefore not happy with you, therefore, and you see what I'm saying, it spirals downward to this, every bad thing that happens to you is somehow God getting you for something, or somehow you fell short. Are we clear that that's not how God operates? He's not out to get you. He's out to get you. So joy versus happiness. Joy and happiness are, are this, this came out of a medical journal. Joy and happiness are, are wonderful feelings to experience, but they are very different. Joy comes when you make peace with who you are, why you are, and how you are. And I would say for us, whose you are. Whereas happiness tends to be externally triggered, and it's based on other things, people, places, Thoughts, events, stuff. It is fleeting, it is temporary and unsustainable. So if the joy of the Lord is our strength, is it the fleeting part or is it the relationship part? It's the relationship. So let's unpack joy a little bit. Joy is that feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Glee, exhilaration, exuberance, euphoria, bliss. I like this down here. Whoops of joy. When is the last time you whoop? I don't can't remember the last time I whooped of joy. 
but I want to get there. I want to get to that place where that, that joy of the Lord is so intense that it, it has a, it wants to come out. You can't contain it. Can you imagine seeking that? Seeking the joy of the Lord in your life to the degree that it is uncontainable. That it is triumph. It's, it's rejoicing. It's knowing that the relationship with God has provided you access to joy. That is not fleeting. That is not based on people and stuff. It's not based on opinions and Facebook and Twitter. It's based on relationship, a personal one. Joy in the Lord is something that does not depend on what happens to be joyful. Let me read that again. Joy in the Lord is something that does not depend on what happens to be joyful. When something happens bad and you can go to God and say, God, I need you, help me. And then all of a sudden there is a a sense in your heart that you are not alone. You feel grateful for that. There's There's a joy in knowing I'm not alone. I'm not by myself. He has not abandoned me far more than I can ask or think he'll do for me. He is not trying to get me. He wants to give me strength. So then all of a sudden that peace that surpasses understanding gets together with the knowledge of who God is and that he loves you. And the next thing you know, you can smile when you shouldn't. You can laugh when you couldn't. There's a strength. I remember very vividly, and I've mentioned this before, at my grandmother's funeral, we were very close. And when I went, I prayed and prayed because I was worried I was going to get all upset. And then I got there and I had this joy in my heart because I knew she knew him and I knew where she was. So then all of a sudden, there's something that changed in me that says, straighten up, you're crying for you. I'm not trying to be insensitive to anyone who's lost someone, but when we grieve loss, we are grieving for ourselves. If they know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, we love them, we miss them, but oh my goodness gracious, knowing the deliverance that came, that unexplainable joy that they experienced that I have no concept of, that I can't wait to experience. You know, I used to, when I was little, everybody say, you know, what's heaven like? And they say, oh, the angels and the harps, you know, and you go to all the little kitty things and you do the plays. And, and I used to think, okay, is that, is that what heaven's like? In, in a child's mind, that's kind of where you go. But in my mind, heaven is a place of great joy. It is a place where I have no idea what it is like, what it is like not to worry about something. I have no idea. I battle it every day where I'm worried and concerned about something. I have no idea what it's like to not worry one minute of the day. Even on the good days when you're trying real hard not to think, it still has that, you're you're constantly holding it at bay. Can you imagine? You get to heaven, there is this clarity, all that energy that has been wasted worrying, all that energy that's been wasted on anxiety and panic and fret and fear and, and do I have everything I need in the car? It's gone. I believe there is a euphoria that comes from that moment. I don't, people talk about, well, I hope I have a mansion in heaven. The streets of heaven are paved with gold. I don't care the streets, what the streets look like. I don't care if it's a mansion. I just want to be with Jesus because when you're with Jesus, you have unexplainable joy. I'll take a shack <laughs> in heaven 
with the joy of the Lord versus a mansion anywhere else. But we have to get to that place. We've got to unpack some of the things that steal our joy. It said the joy of the Lord is my strength. Let's unpack that for a second. Strength, that quality or state of being strong. Strength is a talent, a skill, and a specialty. I'd never really thought of it. I know when I, when I see people that work out and they do all these amazing things and train their bodies, I, I understand that it's a talent. I understand it's a skill. I understand it's one I do not have and wish I did. I get all of that. But if the joy of the Lord becomes our strength, then it becomes a skill, that another tool in our toolbox that equips us to deal with anything. Not just some things, not a few things, Anything. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Hope in the original Hebrew means confident expectation. It's waiting with assurance. When hope is mentioned in the Bible, it isn't our definition of, well, I hope so, which kind of means no, or might, or maybe, probably not. That's how we use it. But in the original Hebrew, when somebody said, I hope to see you tomorrow, you may as well go ahead and start putting something in the crock pot. They're coming. It's a confident expectation. Waiting with the assurance. Hope does not mean it happens immediately. Hope is assurance that it is coming. You've got to have that space of patience. That space of, God, you know best, bring it on. But I'm not going to go in here now and dabble around with what if he doesn't mean it, what if it doesn't happen. I'm going to step away from doubt and I'm going to stay assured that my hope will be revealed. That what the confidence that I have in God providing me what I need is based on my hope, which is an assurance that he always does what he promises. It says, I'll renew their strength. Renew in the original Hebrew means to restore and refresh. So not only are you brought back into fullness, but you are refreshed to move on. Soar. They will soar on wings like eagles. Soar means effortless flight. When birds are soaring, they're not working every muscle. Man, they're hanging out. And you learn with, with flight, as I've worked with all these drones and all this stuff, that when you see birds, you know, kind of doing the circle thing, they're in what's called a thermal. It's a warm air that just pushes them up. So they can just coast along, talk to the other birds, no effort really required. Effortless flight. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That section of scripture was ex- explained as empowered to press on without exhaustion. What would that be like? Empowered to press on without exhaustion? To me, that would be amazing. So now we say that those who hope with confident expectation in the Lord, they will be restored and refreshed. They will effortlessly soar. They will run and not grow weary because they are empowered to press on without exhaustion. You don't have to worry about growing weary from the journey. So now we look at that most important component, the joy of 
And the world has filled that blank with every possible thing they can think of to try to find their strength. The joy of fill in the blank. When I ask people, you know, what do you most enjoy? Oh, I love running or I love biking. I really enjoy this. I enjoy that. What we're talking about here is specifically a relationship. The joy of the relationship with the Lord renews my strength. It is my strength. It is my hope. Strength and joy through relationship. Do we know how to experience his joy? Do you know how to experience the joy of the Lord? These are things that I'm seeking. And as I press into wanting to know him better and wanting to hear his voice better and wanting to react to what I hear him say better. And I'm not talking about this, you know, audible, uh, no, I'm talking about in here. And then there's that foot between here and here where you think it, you somehow know it, but you think it, and then it drops and becomes a heart condition. It becomes something you're willing to act on with right motive. Do we know how to experience his joy? Do we know how to experience his joy when life is not turning out like you planned? That's where that joy of the Lord is your strength. You don't need strength when everything is peachy, when it's all hunky-dory, it's all good. You know, I've read a lot of books on World War II and they talk about, you know, those foxhole conversions where when the battle is raging, the guy who said, I don't believe in anything, is all of a sudden crawling over to the guy who has a little Bible in his pocket. I got one of those little Bibles and it has a prayer in the front of it from the president. And I thought, wow, well, how amazing is that? But can you imagine? He crawls over to that guy who kept that little book and he says, pray with me. I'm scared I'm going to die. In those moments when life is not turning out as you plan, that's when we need the joy of the Lord to become our strength. We need the joy of the Lord every day, but that strength part When things aren't going quite right, you need all of that you can get. To maintain, to press on, to believe in that hope and confident expectation that God is going to provide your needs. He's going to take care of you. This isn't when when things aren't turning out like you thought. That isn't the time that you turn your back on joy. Do you understand? You don't turn your back on the joy of the Lord when things are tough. We have assumed as adults we get somber, we get serious, we get determined. Very seldom do I run into somebody in the middle of a turmoil who says, I am going to enjoy this process because we think they were crazy. I'm not saying we're making light of it. What I'm saying, though, is that that joy inside of being confident of where you're headed. All of us who believe in Jesus as Lord and personal Savior can be confident in the destination. But God says that I want you to enjoy far greater than I have done you will do. I want you to enjoy this journey. I know people that I have counseled as a chaplain who will say, I just can't wait to die. I want to get to heaven. That's not how we're supposed to live this life. God wants you to enjoy your journey. He wants to redeem whatever it is you're going through. He wants to use it to strengthen you so that you in turn strengthen others because God will answer your prayer. He will hear your need. He will provide something you had not even considered. As wise as we all are, we miss the point often. 
and then you will be able to testify to others. Look what God has done for me. And there's that strength. The joy of the Lord is the gladness of heart that comes from knowing Jesus as a Lord and personal Savior. People who have not accepted Jesus do not understand the peace that surpasses understanding. When you let your guard down, when you realize you don't know everything, when you realize that there is a God and you're not it, that's an apocalyptic moment. When you allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to say, I don't have all the answers and I need someone to help me. When you reach that knee-dropping, vulnerable moment where you say, look, Lord, come into my life, I need you, not just as my Lord, I've always, in everything I wrote for CBN and all those places, I'd always write Lord and personal Savior. Because that word personal is very important. I can pray for you. No problem. But I need you to be able to pray for you. You need a personal relationship. You don't need my relationship with the Lord. You need yours. He wants to be your deliverer and empowerer. He wants to empower you with his joy, and Jesus knows joy. As I was thinking about the serious nature of all this stuff and my, you know, my little flippant video up front of trying to have some fun, I began to realize that when I'm writing stuff for children, you show the, the open-handed, you ever notice the open-handed Jesus walking among the, ch- the children? He's telling James, chill out, let him make noise, it's all right, Right? And then all of a sudden, as we grow up in the Lord, it changes. We now get deeper into what happened pre-resurrection. We want to argue about what happened during the crucifixion. We want to worry about where the nails were placed and how deep the, the, uh, the spikes went into his head, the thorns went into his, his skull. We, we will show up and celebrate Easter for a moment and celebrate it with whatever new thing we happen to purchase so we look new and fresh and resurrected also. But do we focus on the joy of the Lord anymore? In your mind is the picture of Christ, Christ on the cross. Is it Christ in front of an empty tomb? Or is it a smiling friend? I did a testimony one time of an older lady whose husband had passed. And we went to her home to interview her. We went to sit down at the table. And uh, she had an amazing story. But but the takeaway that I had is we went to sit down at the table. She had her coffee cup and a picture of Jesus. And we got in a conversation, and she said, I have breakfast with Jesus every day. And it was this smiling face of Jesus in a little five-by-seven frame sitting right where the plate would be on the other side, looking at her. She said, every morning we have a talk. She said, I talk to him all day, but he's my friend, and it just helps me to just look at my friend and talk to him. Now, am I telling all you go get a picture? No, my point is, she had a personal relationship with Jesus. He was her friend. She was talking to him and waiting to listen to what he had to say. We have to get to that place in our personal relationships with God. We've got to bring it back around from the sobbing at the foot of the cross 
to the joy of the ascension, to the joy of the promise of eternity. Jesus, if he looked you in the face today, would not be scowling. He would be smiling. He'd say, good to see you. I love you. I am so glad that you see me and I see you. He would treat him like we do our favorite people. He would treat us like we do our favorite people in our lives. He'd run up and he'd give you a big hug. Can you imagine the whisper in your ear? Hey, yeah, I heard you the other night. I got you. I got you. We're all right. You're going to be okay. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? You know how guys have that handshake they do with friends where it's like, you know, it's like the three-pointer. They grab you, pull you in, give you the... Can you imagine that? Jesus as your friend. Grab and hold. Say, man, I love you so much. I care about you. But that's what's happening to joy. We've taken away the vision in our minds of a resurrected, smiling, happy, loving Savior. We need that. In order for us to have his joy, we have to understand that he has joy. That he is resurrected. That eternity is promised. I run into people on a weekly basis who say, well, I've accepted Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, but I'm afraid maybe I won't get in. You won't get in? How'd that happen? Well, this happened and that happened, and I'm not sure I'm doing enough of this, or I'm not sure if I'm doing enough of that, and, and I should tithe, and I should do this, and I should go to church, but I haven't been. And have, there's all these things on the periphery. That's... Life abundance. God wants you to have a life more abundant. All these things I've added unto you. It's up to you whether you accept them or not, but let's be real clear. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, if you say, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, I accept you as my Lord and personal Savior. If you've done that, which sounds super simple, but it was designed on purpose to be simple, you're in. Okay? The end. There is no appendix at the end of the book. There's no book in the Bible that says an if-then statement. Well, if you did this, then no. There's none of that. Now you get to move into the next round of, do you want life more abundant? Come to church, fellowship with people. You want life more abundant? See, people care about you. You want life more abundant? Pray and ask. Call on me and I will answer you, says the Lord. You want life more abundant? Seek and you will find. Seek God first. Seek his kingdom first. Learn about me first. Woo! The stuff I'm going to add unto you, you're going to wonder. You, I got problems at work and people aren't nice to you? Seek me. Pray for your enemies. It's like heaping coals of condemnation on their head. You don't think, oh, I'm going to get them. You say, God bless them. You get them. That's that life abundance. That's that joy. That's what Jesus is trying to share with us. You see, when Jesus was born, the angels announced good tidings of great joy to everyone. Joy had come. Joy was coming. It was a hard time. Things were rough. People were mean. Stuff, I mean, the world today is one thing. The world back then was equally as vicious. We were in need of a Savior, and he was come. But it wasn't a somber announcement of secrecy. It wasn't, 
well, uh, hey, go tell Fred, you know, I think there's a baby born in a manger. I think that might be Jesus. Might be Christ. I don't know. No, he pulled out all the stops. The angels from heaven came down, freaked out the shepherds in the field. The sheep were even gobsmacked. And he said, look, tell everybody, joy has come. Can you receive the joy that has come? Have you received it? Do you want more of it? I certainly do. Jesus demonstrated joy in his ministry. He was not so sad and serious all the time. Rather, his enemies accused him of being too joyful on occasions and said, oh, you're just friends to everybody, friends to sinners and whatnot. In Luke, they got all over him because he sat down and had dinner with folks. He was laughing, talking. They were eating, drinking, doing what they needed to do. Having, they were having life together. Just like that little old lady who had Jesus at the table with her. They were having life together. But if you're expected to be a deity, well, oh my goodness gracious, you best not have life with people. You better stand in a pulpit and tell them what they need to think. I want life with Jesus. Jesus described himself as a bridegroom enjoying a wedding feast. He was talking about the whole process he was going through. Like, you know, when we see all the, you know, bridezilla shows or whatever, and they're planning their wedding, and they're doing this, and all these details. and All this stuff was going on in the background. The Pharisees were getting upset. You know, render unto Caesar, what is Caesar? Blah, blah, blah. There's the donkey. There's the palms. There's the coming in. There's the going out. All that stuff, and I think I turned us off. Um, all that stuff is going on. The stage is being set, right? You would think, if I knew what was coming to that magnitude, even though I knew resurrection was going to come after it, I personally would stop somewhere at crucifying in my worry process. But he was treating it as though he was celebrating. He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. He had a vision of what was coming. He knew what was going on. He was confident in whose he was. He wasn't derailed from his joy. He spoke of my joy in John 15, 11. I have told you these things so my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Jesus is saying, look, if I'm facing what I'm facing and I'm okay, you need to be okay. Have you ever had somebody more worried about you than you were for yourself? You're like, oh, please don't do that. Don't do that. You're going to get hurt. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm good. Jesus is telling them, look, these things, I'm telling you what, I'm trying to give you a glimpse of what's going on. I'm trying to help you understand the bigger picture. And I want you to have my joy. So that when you face big things, you don't freak out either. You're good. And then your joy can be made full because you realize it's yours. I've given you something you get to keep. It is not temporary. It is not fleeting. It doesn't evaporate. Jesus promised a lifetime supply of joy. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive. Then your joy will be made full. John 16, 24. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. It was a turning point. Now we're going to say, in Jesus' name, it gives us the authority to pray. Ask and you will receive, and then your joy will be made full. What do you need? In your own mind, answer that right now. What do you need? 
and ask in the name of Jesus. He wants to fulfill your every need and restore your joy. Joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit. In Christ, we can be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. I want that. Can you imagine being so happy that you don't even know what to say? We get happy sometimes and we cry. We're so happy we cry. But can you imagine that whoop that I told you about earlier in the definition? Did you have access to that? that that's, did you know that that was available? That this inexpressible and glorious joy was available to you? Because of its supernatural origin, the joy of the Lord, or rather our glad, the gladness of our heart, is present even though there are trials in life. Okay? We're not talking about, uh, if, you, if anybody has told you, when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, everything smooths out, life is good, there are no problems, the end. They have lied to you completely. Life is life, but this is how we not only survive it, but thrive through it with eternity on the horizon. We are heirs to an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Your salvation is secure. It will never perish, it will never spoil, it will never fade. We know we are children of God and no one can separate us from him. No one can steal the joy that the Lord can give you. We can give it away, but no one can take it. Faith is the assurance of victory to overcome the challenges in life we face. The joy of the Lord gives us strength to endure until victory comes. Paul and Silas knew adversity when they sat with their feet in shackles in a Philippian jail. Now, they are, I did some, some research a while ago on what the jails were like, and they have troughs running through the middle, kind of like pig troughs, and they're kind of deep, and that's full of sewage that's running from one place to the next. So imagine a place where it's, it's, either, it's damp and it smells bad and there's pain and suffering and all these things are going on, and they had been arrested without cause, they had been beaten without trial, and at midnight they couldn't sleep. Do you know what they did? They sang loudly praises to the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm sitting in a jail cell. The door's closed. Haven't eaten. Smells pretty bad. All those things could have come out their mouths instead. The murmuring and complaining about everything that was going on in that moment. But instead they said, Lord, we love you. Thanks be to God. We're here to serve you. Whatever you want from me, God. We love you. Sitting next to a trough of nonsense. We love you, Lord. I am in a terrible spot. Logically, it doesn't look so good, but I love you, Lord. But we, we don't act like that when we get in terrible spots, do we? Sometimes we do, but most often we begin to spiral downward into the, the listing and documenting of everything that has gone wrong and what could potentially happen next, and we start packing the car. But after they sang praises to the Lord, their hope grew, 
They knew God still loved them. They were willing to endure forever how long necessary. And then in Acts 16, 26, the very next verse, after they praised the Lord loudly, something happened. A miracle. And then suddenly there was a great earthquake and the foundation of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosened. All the chains dropped off. All the doors were open. Whom God has set free is free indeed. It was a confounding moment. That is what God wants to do for each one of us. Because though we are not sitting in a dark, dank, stinky place, there are things in our lives that need to be broken free. There are places we need to get out of. There are chains we need to drop. And he's willing to help us. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance be perfect, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Perseverance. Perseverance and joy go together. I'm going to endure with the hope of the Lord, which is confident expectation, that this trial, I will persevere through it, help waiting for him to speak to me and help me and break the chains and unloose the bounds and whatever necessary needs to happen. God will do what needs to happen. But I'm going to have the, will- the willingness and the ability to transition my joy into perseverance. I'm not going to be joyful for a moment. I'm going to be joyful through the trial and produce perseverance in my own life. And that joy comes from hope, which is confident expectation that God's going to do what he says he will do. And he always keeps his promises and he never lies. That's a lot to package. That's where we need to live. Is your joy complete? Most of us live like this. On a day-to-day, we are cognizant of what is leaking out. The joy is slowly being drained. Life is taking its toll. And we're the fish in panic of how many more drips are left before the bowl is empty. That restoring, that need to restore. Do you know the biggest day-to-day joy-robbing factor in life? Do you know what that is? One more thing. I don't care what the thing is. We all got our thing. It's that one more thing. You ever notice it's that one thing that throws you over over the edge? You had a good day. You're doing pretty good. And then one more thing. Next thing you know, you've stepped off the ledge of hope and joy and peace and kindness. And you're off in, well, we won't go those places. But you know what I'm saying? Have any of you experienced the one more thing phenomenon? (laughs) One more thing. Is our joy and strength that fragile? Some days it is. Are you going to help or are you going to, what you going to? So, I like doing analogies, so bear with me, all right? So, <clears throat> here we go. We'll put this out here so everybody can see. Because I remember things better with object lessons. I don't know. I, it's just my, just my thing, all right? So, I know you got new shoes and everything, so I'll have mercy on you. All right? All right, so what I need you to do, please, is pour the rest of this in there. 
I've already kind of got the bag started so it wouldn't take so long and get people out of here. Now, we are a vessel, and God pours into us. And the more we seek him, the more he will pour into us. But see, there's a seeking and pouring there, mathematical thing, that we got to keep going. Wait a second. So as we've, we continue to seek the Lord, we are, we're very much like this. What you seek, you become. So now I've taken this, this Ziploc that we, we hope, and you're going to roll out, hold on. All right, now. We are like this Ziploc. Believe it or not, we're transparent, okay? People see what's going on. The scripture says, I will know them by the light in their eyes, right? You get, is it heavy? You good? I'm just, uh, Jesse? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so now. <laughs> now look, this will go really well and y'all will be amazed. Or it'll go really badly and it'll just be funny. All right? But either way, <laughs> we're going for it, right? So if this is life and God is pouring into us, okay, we're a vessel. And we've accepted Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, right? That doesn't mean that bad things don't happen, right? But how we react to them, okay, ready? All right, okay. Now, had it gone in one side and I failed to push through, the bag would be emptying on the floor. So what is it? What is it that's got your joy? Have you left it inside? And not gone through? Or have you said, Lord, I need deliverance right now. I need my joy restored in Jesus' name is what I need. I'm going to ask you something. Is the bag more impressive without the pencils or with the pencils? Everything you have been through is an impressive moment in your life where God delivered you and showed you he was real, true, and alive. Everything. Everything you've been through, God cares about and will restore. Amen? You can put it in the bucket. (laughs) And I didn't even mess up your shoes. So each and every day brings a new opportunity to start and a chance to start fresh and to resolve to find his joy. We've all been through a lot of things. We can sit around and compare notes and I imagine we would have a whole room full of hurt. But at the same time, we've got a whole room of people who have experienced the grace mercy, peace, and joy of the Lord. You want to know more about him? You want your Ziploc full? You want the holes sealed? It's a love story. Read it. And be sure of this. I am with you always. Imagine that friend that you have in Jesus embracing you fondly and reminding you there is nothing you are going through or will go through or will endure that I am not right there with you and I love you very much make Jesus your personal friend
and Savior. Until now you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made complete. And I ask you today, I ask you once before, is there something missing? Is there something you need? We always try to pray for those who have not accepted Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, and that is so important. But I want to make sure we're praying for those who already know them that life abundantly is yours. No matter what you're going through, God loves you. He cares for you. He wants to speak to you and sit across from the table with you at breakfast. Ask so your joy will be complete. It's okay to pray for yourself. It's okay to ask for the impossible because scripture says far more than I could possibly think he wants for me. He wants for you so that your joy is complete. My favorite scripture one of them. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad. Embrace that this week as you move out. Remind yourself that there's reason to rejoice because life is a journey and we need to start enjoying the ride. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, Lord, and I, Father, in my heart, I feel like we're all a little bit like Swiss cheese. We're like that bag, God, with all the pencils in it. Father, I pray a filling. Anyone who is hurt, I pray, Lord God, you touch them right now and heal them. Anyone, Lord, that is just seeking, Father, right now, do not, not feel lonely or afraid. I pray, pray God, they, they sense your presence. Anyone, Lord God, who does not know you and thinks, oh, I wish so much I could. Father, I just pray right now that they realize how simple it is. You did the work so that you make it easy for us. All we have to say is, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Please forgive me for my sins. Please, Lord God, be my Savior. Please, Lord God, help me to hear your voice. Please, Lord God, fill my heart. God, I ask in Jesus' name right now, anyone, Lord God, who needs you a special touch from you today, anyone, Lord God, whose joy is depleted and needs restoring, I pray that right now in the name of Jesus. A refreshing, a renewal. Thank you, Lord God. You want to be our personal Savior and loving friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great job. Man, give the Lord a hand clap. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I tell you what, that, that's going to be something to hold on to this week and right on through. Amen. If you guys want to stand, we're going to praise the Lord. This is a good one right here. It just falls right in place. God has a way of doing that, doesn't he? That's awesome. It's called What's Going On?
We're going to tune on out. Check out our website at keepthepromise.org. Amen.